Amen. Well, we're week, we are on week three of our series for the summer on the Psalms, a song track for your life. And I hope you're, you're taking advantage of all the, the extras that we're giving you or encouraging you towards, right? We're, every week we're giving you a song to download that you can listen to and be reminded of the topic for the week. We're giving you a verse to memorize, hopefully to get little bits of God's scripture song set in your mind and in your heart. If you're doing that, You've got two down so far for the summer. Last Sunday's verse was from Psalm 19, the psalm that, that told us to keep listening, keep hearing God's creation song singing all around us. And so we memorized from, verse, from Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies declare, the, proclaim the work of your hands, right? Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. I hope this past week you had your eyes open so you could hear the song of God being sung all around you. And by the way, it's not too late for you if you think I haven't memorized either of the verses. It's not too late to start. I invite you to go ahead and start this week if you would. Because this week's verse is going to come from Psalm 119. Psalm 119, page 589 in the Bibles you have in front of you. And for some of you, you recognize Psalm 119 just by the number. Don't worry, we're not going to make you memorize the whole psalm because it's the longest chapter in Scripture, 176 verses. That would be very impressive if you chose to memorize the whole psalm. We're not going to read the whole psalm this morning. So we're going to look at verses 9 through 16. Because these verses have something very significant to say to us as individuals here this morning. And to the culture all around us. And when you pay attention to the culture around us. If you pay attention to, to the news and what's going on all around the world. It's easy to lose hope for the future, isn't it? You know, this past week was tragic. Just look at the one city, Orlando. Tragic for the city of Orlando. 49 people killed in a horrible massacre that's just born out of pure hatred, pure violence. So I hope over this week you've been praying hard for, for those families that lost somebody that they loved dearly. For, for the people 50 plus who are still in the hospital recovering. Right, and just days before that, in that same city, you know, a gunman shot and killed Christina Grimmy, the singer who is up-and-coming singer, for no reason at all. And that's just one city. If, if you were to broaden your scope of looking at what's going on in our culture to our nation and to our world, you can't help but wonder what the future holds for our children, can you? For our grandchildren. What kind of future is coming our way? Every generation asks that question. Every generation thinks that they are the last generation, that the next generation is heading towards disaster. Surely ours is the last. And this coming generation doesn't seem to be any different, does it? Well, verses 9 through 16 of Psalm 119 have a message to all, that all of us here this morning need to hear. And it's a message for the youth of the next generation but it's also a vital message for those of us of the older generation, for those of us parents and grandparents here this morning who still have the opportunity to shape the future that so often scares us. So listen to verses 9 through 16 of Psalm 119. 
How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. If I seek you with all my heart, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now for this psalm, Psalm 119, we don't know exactly who the author of this psalm was. Our best guess is that he was a priest who wrote this song as a tool to teach godly living to his students. It's so long because each section begins with one letter of the alphabet. It's like ABC, except in Hebrew, of course. And so that's how it got to be so long. It's a teaching tool for them to be able to remember and memorize. We don't know who wrote it, but it's pretty safe to assume that whoever he was, he was a part of the older generation. Okay, he's got plenty of life experience behind him already. And he turns his attention to the younger, up-and-coming generation who's coming up behind him. And he asks the question in verse 9, how can a young man or a young woman today, how can a young man or young woman keep his or her way pure? He's asking the questions that we keep asking. What's going to happen with the next generation? How in the world is this next generation going to make it? How will goodness and godliness survive in the face of the changes and the pressures of this changing culture and world all around them already in, the, in this generation? Is there hope for the future, he's asking. How can a young man or young woman keep his way pure? And I find it fascinating how he answers his own question in the following verses. I would have expected that his finger would point to all these young men and young women that he's talking about. All these people that he's concerned about and give them a prescription of what they need to do. Of what they need to change if they're going to follow God's way. Of how they need to think differently and act differently and, and behave differently. I expected he'd he default to that old man, you know, kids nowadays. Grumpy old man. Here's what you need to do. Here's how these kids need to be better. Here's how they need to fix things. But his finger doesn't point to them. Instead, he points his finger directly at himself and his own generation. He points the finger at the older men and older women talking about what they need to do and how they need to change and how they need to think differently and act differently and behave differently. If you look through the verses that we read, he's looking at his own life first. He looks at himself and he examines what he is doing, what he needs to do more, and how he's shaping his life in relationship to God. You can go right down the list there, right? Verse 10, he says, I'm seeking you, God, with all my heart. Verse 11, he says, I've hidden your word, God, in my heart. Verse 13, with my lips, I, I'm recounting all of your laws. 
Verse 14, I'm rejoicing and following your statutes. Verse 15, I'm meditating on your precepts, on your directions for living. So when I wonder how to live my life, I go back to your word and I'm thinking about what you're saying, God. I'm considering your ways. Verse 16, I'm delighting in your decrees. So his answer to how this next generation can not only survive, but thrive now and into the future is to commit himself to faithful living, is to commit himself to growing in godliness, is to commit himself to living a life that is obviously and publicly sold out for God. He's looking to himself first. Why? Because he recognizes that he is busy every day modeling for the next generation what it means to live according to God's laws, what it means to live according to God's promises and God's words, what it means to live each day faithfully trusting God. And if he wants that next generation to live faithfully to God in the midst of a changing culture, then he must be showing them, he must be modeling for them what faithfulness looks like. And if you and I, still today, want the next generation, our children, our grandchildren, our nephews and nieces, if we want them to live faithfully for God in the midst of an obviously changing culture, then we must be showing them, we must be modeling for them what faithfulness looks like. Our children and our grandchildren are learning about faithful, godly living by watching us. We're modeling for the next generation what it means to live according to God's laws what it means to live according to his promises. You know, back in my, in my country music listening days, Rodney Atkins used to sing a song called I've Been Watching You. Some of you probably have heard that song. It's a song about his four-year-old son who, who's watching him and learning all about life for him without him even knowing it. And so when his son speaks and a four-letter word that he's not supposed to speak. He asks us speak. He asks his son, "Where'd you learn that?" And he says, "I've been watching you. I've been learning from you." And that night, when his son kneels down and talks to God in prayer, and he says, "Son, where'd you learn to pray like that?" He said, "I've been watching you." At my son's baptism back in California, I sang the same message—not through a country song this time, but through an old song by Phillips Craig and Dean. Maybe some of you know it's a song written as a prayer from a father that declare, who declares to God, I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me. It doesn't play out every time. But our children are much more likely to live out what we model for them instead of what we tell them to do. They're watching us. So if, if your children, your grandchildren, if your neighborhood kids, if your nephews and nieces are watching you to learn about faithful, godly living, what are you teaching them?
What are you teaching them? Because if we want them to stay faithful, then we need to live out faithfulness and show them faithfulness. If we want the next generation to be generous, then we need to show them what generous living looks like. If we want the next generation, if we want our kids and our grandkids to be compassionate, then we need to live out compassion in our lives. If we want the next generation to be a generation of prayer, to be a generation that reads his word, then they need to see us praying and they need to see you reading God's word. If we want them to care about justice in this world, then we better care about justice right now. If we want our children, our grandchildren, the next generation to love Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we better start loving Jesus with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength right now. Because they're watching us. And they're learning from us. Are we intentionally, publicly, faithful in our lives? Do your children and grandchildren, do they see you living faithfulness? Do they see you seeking God with all your heart? Do they see you hiding his word in your heart? Do they see you talking about God's desires for your life? Do they see you rejoicing in being obedient to him? Do they see you constantly thinking about what God is asking you to do and how God is designing your life? Do they see you delighting? Delighting in the times when you get it right, when you're used by God, when you have a chance to serve and to give and grow. What do they see when they look at you and how you're living your life? I asked Russ Hookstra to share his story with us this morning. Russ's story is, is one of him trying to be faithful and obedient to God and finding faithfulness to be both painful and joyful. And when I contacted Russ because I wanted us to hear his story this morning and to hear specifically what he hopes his children might learn from his story. Um, he was willing, but he knew he was going to be out of town this week. And so a couple of weeks ago, I sat down with Russ and we got a couple cameras rolling and we shared his story together. And so I want you to, to listen. Russ is going to be up on the screen this morning. I want you to hear his story I want you to hear his attempt at faithful living and the lessons that he hopes gets passed down from his life to the next generation as well. So watch and, and learn this morning. Thank you for being willing to share a bit of your journey with us. We're talking this Sunday about faithfulness, about following where God leads and um, going where God calls. And I think we often assume as believers that well, if we're faithful, that God will bless. You know, that there's just immediate goodness and blessing and reward for faithfulness. In fact, in Psalm 19 that we're looking at, the writer talks about um, delighting in being faithful and rejoicing in being faithful. And yet, um, Russ, I know some of your story, and 
your faithfulness to God's call wasn't always delightful and it wasn't always joyful. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that you'd be willing to just share you know, what it meant for you to be faithful to God's calling. Well, my story goes back about five years. Um, at that time, our small group at church started uh, reading a little book called The Hole in Our Gospel by Richard Cerns. And I'll be the first one to admit that I was not a happy camper when I heard we were doing a book club study. Um, but we did, and it, it took just a few short pages into that book to realize the substance that was there and um, the things that God was kind of teaching me through Richard Stearns was really affecting my life. And the whole premise of that book was based on Richard Stearns' um, ability to look at his life and see that he was very comfortable. Um, he had everything going for him. His job was great. His life was great. He was in a very complacent um, place in his life. And God talked to him a little bit and said, I want you to do something different. And he had every reason to say no, but he took a leap of faith and said yes. He opened himself, himself up to something different. And so he changed his career, did something wildly different, and God blessed him through that. And at the conclusion of that book, I couldn't get that out of my mind. I kept thinking, this is me. God was talking to me. I was, at the time, was a Christian school teacher. Uh, I'd been doing that for 12 years. I knew the curriculum, I knew the kids, I knew the faculty, I knew what to expect each and every single day and every week and every month. And it became very comfortable. And God kept talking to me and saying, I want you to do something different. Um, so through a lot of prayer, a lot of conversation, we made a leap of faith. And I told my wife, and we all agreed that there was something else out there for me. I didn't know what it was. In fact, um, the interesting part, once I ended that teaching career, is that I really had no idea. I had multiple things that I really wanted to do. Um, and so for the following months after I made that decision, I pursued a lot of things that I wanted to do. I wanted to make more money. I wanted to try something different. I wanted to own a business and things like that. And everything that I attempted for those months just felt so shallow and hollow. And so I came to that point and I said, all right, God, you, you asked me to do something different. I've tried some things that I thought you would be interested in having me do, but nothing feels right. So show me what you want me to do. And once I made that prayer, it was almost instantaneous that I think in the next few days, it became very clear that there was a new profession out there for me, working with kids um, in a hospital setting as a child life specialist, working to help normalize and help kids cope through traumatic experiences and their families as well. But I knew nothing about the, the career. Um, it was brand new. Um, but in a few days, God opened tons of doors. I had to take some further education. I had to do some volunteer work in a hospital. Um, I had to secure a practicum and then an internship, which took me away from my, my family for 16 weeks. Um, but everything was, was really wonderful. I mean, I, everything, God really opened doors quite quickly for me. And I was super excited to see those things. Um, but again, almost instantaneously, everything stopped opening up. Mm. Um, it was in the middle of the recession, and no one was hiring. And yet I was so eager to find something new. So I, I came back from our internship and all excited and thought that God would have these great doors that would open. Sure. But all those doors closed. And for the next 20 months, mm. I could find nothing. I would interview um, all over the place, all over the Midwest, and uh, the hundreds of applicants for these positions, I'd get down to number two. In fact, almost every single time I was told I was the second 
person and I would always get told no and that was an extremely difficult time of my life because I handled it well for the first few rejections um, but the more you go through those the more difficult it is each and every single time you get built up with that anticipation that this could be it only to get let down again and said this is not you and so God and I struggled mightily together. There are many nights that um, I stayed awake. I went for walks at midnight. Um, just had a difficult time trying to figure out where God wanted me to be at that point. Um, I did question all those things. The doors were open before. Um, you know, I, I, it was just an extremely difficult time of life. That's not where faithfulness is supposed to where it's supposed to bring you. Exactly. So it was those moments of saying, you know, God, I've been faithful to this point. Why nothing now? Why so? Why such a, a blank opportunity that seems to be so apparent each and every single time? Um, the bleakest moment came one night in January in which I, I found out through the grapevine that Helen DeVos Children's Hospital, where I was really kind of hoping to get a position, um, finally put a position available for the very first time since I was done with my internship. And by that time, I was so beaten down, and I said, I can't do it. I said, I, I know people there. If they wanted me to be there, they would have reached out to me. And that was the hardest night. I honestly don't know how I went through that night. I, I believe that God was just giving me a, a tiny enough energy to sustain a bit of going forward at that moment. Um, I won't go into all the difficulty, but that was a tough one. Woke up the next morning, and to my wonderful surprise, the, the manager of the department had emailed and texted and said, Russ, we have a position open. I really want you to apply. And it took a lot of courage and muster to say, is this really it? Because you've closed all the doors in the past. Do you want me to do this one more time? And I felt God just saying, give me one more shot. And he did. I followed. And um, the rest has been fantastic. Um, I love working with kids. I love the position. Um, I've been able to meet a lot of needs of a lot of different families and kids in my years there since. And, um, yeah, very happy ending to a very rocky road of a situation. But I think um, looking back at it, there was those times of faithfulness that were tested. Um, there were moments that I just wanted to give up and say, I can't do this anymore. And yet there was always somewhere inside that just a little voice, a little push that God would say, just keep persevering, keep going forward, keep being courageous. Um, you'll see what, where this leads at the end. And so, looking back at the story now, I'm very happy to be able to say it ended positively. Um, if you would have interviewed me during that time, I would not have been able to go through that. I know um, worshiping at church those difficult times was tough. I couldn't praise. I, I couldn't sing. Tears would flow very quickly. Um, and I know a lot of people go through those things, too. And I know that's, that's a lot of the, the faithfulness that we go through in making sure that we can um, you know, stick to what God really wants us to do. In the midst of those difficult times and those bleak moments, you said you heard the voice of God often telling you, stay faithful, keep going. Are there ways that God spoke? How did God get that message through to you to keep you faithful along the way? Those are kind of the fun stories. Um, looking back, there were always individuals that just said things out of the blue that I wasn't expecting. You know, fellow Christians that would come up at church or friends that would just pull me aside and, and give me little bits of encouragement. Um, Quiet times were important to me when I pull aside and just listen and just try to be still. Um, really just focusing on 
those moments that were unusual at the time and realizing that God was working his hands in those unusual times. It took some time to be able to see those moments and to have some clarity of those things. But um, it's really those things that I look back at and see were, were important times for me to see God's hand. So what has God taught you about his faithfulness to this journey? I'm sure there's times you said where you wondered about his faithfulness. Looking back now, what have you learned about his faithfulness? We need patience, one thing. Um, it's not by our timing. If it were by my timing, I would have picked up my family and been in different spots and had different experiences. Not to say that's bad, but obviously that's not what God wanted. So to continue to have patience and perseverance through those times that are bleak and to have faith that um, what God started, he's going to finish. I would also say to that, um, to be courageous. I think courageousness and faithfulness go together. Um, we get complacent in our lives so often. And I think it's important for each of us to step out of that comfort zone from time to time and experience something different and powerful that, that God can use in amazing ways. One last thought. Scripture calls each generation to teach the next generation about faithfulness, to raise up a generation of faithful followers. People who will follow God will take that challenge and be courageous. If you could pass along one message or maybe one challenge that you have learned through your journey to those who come after, to the next generation, what would it be? I think you said the word courageous. I think that's, that's a piece of it too. Um, to know that what God asks us to do isn't always easy. And sometimes the most challenging things are definitely the most rewarding things too. So I would encourage um, not only my kids, but other kids in the future to realize that um, God asks us to do tough things sometimes. And it does take that courage to stand up and say, I will follow that, even though other people might think it's strange and doesn't make a lot of sense to others that we as Christians know that um, to really be a follower of him, we really have to invest in, in a courageous stance to make sure that we're really following what he asks us to do. Thank you, Russ, so much for sharing your heart and sharing your story with, not just with me, but with all of us. Appreciate it. I ask you that question. What, are you, what message do you want your life to be telling your children, your grandparents, your nephews, your nieces, who, whoever it is that's coming after you? Could you answer it like Russ did? Here, here's what I want my life to tell them about God. You get to decide what that message is. Because you will be giving them a message. Whether you choose it or not, you're sending them a message. What message do you want them to hear? How can a young man, how can a young woman keep his or her way pure? The answer to that question begins with, what am I showing them? What am I modeling for them? What are they seeing in me and learning from me? Because if I want my children to be faithful, then I need to be faithful. And if together we want the next generation to be faithful, then together we need to be faithful. So I hope that, even if you haven't yet for the first two weeks, I hope you'll take up the challenge and memorize verses 10 and 11 of this chapter for the next week. Not only memorize them in your head, but live them out and I will seek you with all my heart.
Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We do those things not just for ourselves, but for the people who are watching. I seek you with all my heart. Our own hearts and our own lives are where God will begin to work his transforming power in this generation and the next. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for giving each one of us the opportunity to model for those around us what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to teach not with our words, but to teach with our lives, to teach with every decision we make, to teach with every choice that we make. May we be teaching lessons of godliness and faithfulness. May we be teaching lessons of trust and obedience. May our lives model for each generation what it means to follow you. Father, I would guess that many of us here this morning haven't really thought about the lesson that we want to teach to our children and grandchildren, the, the message we want to teach to the next generation about you through our lives. And so place that, bring that question often to our minds today and in the coming week. Help us to consciously make the choice to teach lessons about faithfulness and trust and godliness. Father, may our lives be your textbook. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please, as the worship team comes forward? We're going to respond in song. We're going to respond with the song that we learned on week one, the song Unbroken Praise. Because our God deserves unbroken praise for his faithfulness, for his perfect heavenly fatherness. And hopefully, our lives will teach each generation what it means to have a heavenly father who loves us and cares for us and what it means to follow him. So let's join our voices in unbroken praise to him.